Hi, everybody. What's up? And welcome back to Inside College Admissions, a podcast presented by SCORE. I'm Elena, and I'm back with, you guessed it, Tom from the College Essay Guy team. Let's give it up for Tom. Oh, insert clap sound effects. Elena was clapping, but since this is not a video, no one's seeing that. And they're just thinking that's crickets. So <laughs> just so everyone knows, claps are here. Happy to be here. And I'm happy you're here. I'm clapping for you, too. So tuning in about a podcast on a, on a topic that maybe it might seem like some as a little premature, but we have reasons for that that we'll get right into. We do. Yeah. This is a shout out to our freshmen in high school, sophomores, and even juniors. We're going to talk about five essential things for you to do before your junior year. So these are things that, like I said, if you're a freshman or sophomore, you can definitely take some advice from if you're a junior it's not too late you can still do some of these things so don't get discouraged but these are just some really great things to have locked down before junior year absolutely yeah i our goal is to have this be a little more bite size um you know since <laughs> smaller more growing more developing youth that are you know the the target audience and perhaps parents or counselors as well yeah we're going to try to keep things pretty macro level when it comes to our our biggest pieces of advice of the things that, and, and they're mostly things that for myself, you know, working as a college counselor, I'll meet with students kind of like halfway through their junior year. And some of them I'm like, oh gosh, I wish someone told you to not be so stressed out about this thing that you're stressed out about, or to take the course that I think would make you more competitive for certain schools way ahead of time. Um, so right. the spirit of this advice is really to kind of give you some best practices on how to pursue your high school career in a way that allows you to have as many college options as possible by the time you become a junior. But first and foremost, though, like your job as a, you know, underclassman in high school is to like get used to being a high school student, you know, your transition mm -hmm. from middle school, you need to like learn where all the rooms are. And, you know, for the, you know, bullies on the whatever team that are telling you that your bio class is actually on the wing outside across from the field, far <laughs> from in the parking lot you learn early on to avoid those pieces of advice from unverified sources, a great theme with college admissions more broadly. And your job is to find out the things that you're excited about, to find your people in your school, um, to build community, to just get used to the rhythm that you're going to be engaged with for four years of your life. So mm -hmm. job first and foremost is, is just adjusting to being a high school student, starting to develop positive study habits, best practices, being more autonomous over your schoolwork, because as time goes on, there's going to be more and more expectation of you having your, you know what, together. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that's really kind of our, our goal here is to just, yeah, equip you with some um, best practices. So that way it's not, it's not too late for you to um, fold these into your college process. So, yeah. Yeah. Very well said, Dom. A hundred percent. So without further ado, let's get started. The first thing on our essential things to do before junior year is to kind of recognize the importance of course selection. So you might be like, course selection? Why? But this is going to be a big part of your college application. So it is better to get it out of the way earlier. But Tom, I feel like you can definitely speak to the, on the admissions end, what it means to have selected your courses thoughtfully and what are some things that underclassmen could do now so that they're set up really well for senior year. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, I, I mentioned this poll in a previous SCORE episodes, but National Association for College Admission Counseling, 
It's a big kind of organization that brings together college admission professionals, as well as those who are helping students apply to college on the high school side through professional development, surveys, polls, data, what have you. And they recently released a poll that's the factors in the admission decision poll for 2023, where they polled hundreds of different colleges and universities to ask them, what are the most important parts of being a competitive applicant with the application components for your school, your college? Mm -hmm. So by far the biggest margin and the, the top, top response from colleges in terms of level of importance in the factor of the, of the admission decision is high school grades and college prep courses. 77% of the colleges that were surveyed said that that was considerably important in their admission process. And once you kind of start to get lower than not just the grades in the courses, but close neck and neck with it is the strength of the curriculum, the classes that you've chosen. Those are by and large, I'd say your foot in the door at all colleges and universities that are out there that you're, you'll be applying to. Some obviously have more higher expectations of grades and courses than others, but doing as well as you can academically and picking courses that make sense for your interests and your curiosities, as well as your capacity. So thinking about curiosity and thinking about capacity when it comes to your courses is something that I really want to just plant a seed with right now. Ideally, one something that I always mention to students is if you want yourself to be as competitive as possible for the widest range of colleges and universities, I and other college counselors would recommend that you take what are called the five core academic solid courses throughout all four years of high school. So that would be an English course, a math course, a science course, a social studies or history course, and a language course. Now, sometimes certain students might opt out of language in particular, maybe their junior or senior year, but ideally these are courses that you take all four years of high school because they are the ones that the widest number of colleges and universities are looking for in terms of students applying to their college and their academic background and preparation. And the reason why it's a really important one to bring up is because every year I encounter students who didn't know, I didn't know to be competitive for the University of California system, I needed to take a year of art. I didn't know I needed to take more than two years of foreign language because in my school district, that's not a graduation requirement, so I didn't take it, right? There's right. a lot of discrepancies between your high school graduation requirements and the preferences among colleges and universities for desirable coursework. So those five core solid courses, if you take those all throughout high school each year, sometimes maybe a student might double up and takes, for example, like two sciences as a junior, mm -hmm. what have you. But as long as there are four courses <laughs> under a subject throughout your high school career, like you're doing your job when it comes to kind of preparing yourself as much as possible academically. And on the question of, okay, so grades, I get it. I should, I should get the best grades as I possibly can. Easier said than done because, it, you know, there's always nuances with kind of like teachers you have and this and that. But when it comes to the course offerings, another big tip that I have is to know that colleges are not kind of judging or evaluating you based on what courses are available at other high schools. They're only looking at mm -hmm. the courses that are available in your own high school. So whether or not that's the advanced placement curriculum, maybe your high school has honors courses, maybe the IB curriculum, international baccalaureate classes, maybe Cambridge diploma, whatever it is, you know, to be more competitive for different selective colleges, ideally, the, the more you move through your high school career, the more you adopt and add in and fold in more challenging courses than the typical college prep, quote unquote, the regular class at your high school. So right. but if you go to a school where that's not available, know that that's not something you're going to be evaluated against or penalized for, because again, college admissions officers only 
kind of pulled you to, for lack of a better phrase, what is available in your own high school. So my biggest tip around that is earlier than junior year, it's a great idea for you and your family to kind of sit down and ask your college counseling office, your college guidance office, your counselor for what's called your school profile. And this is a document that is sent to colleges and universities. That's like a summary sheet of your high school and the curriculum that's offered and, and what a high GPA or high academic performance is for your school provides a lot of really valuable information about that. So that way earlier on, you can get a sense for, okay, so for my own situation, this is what a strong curriculum looks like, or this is what a, a curriculum and academic performance that a lot of colleges, perhaps more selective colleges are really hoping to be seeing on that front. So that's really my biggest piece of advice is kind of, yeah, those core solid academic courses, taking ones that are healthy in terms of your curiosity and things you're interested in, but also your capacity. So not overloading yourself so, so early with like, I have to take every AP class or every IB class under the sun. You don't need to do that. Um, and yep. C, having a real strong sense of what is being communicated about your high school to colleges and what they are going to be seeing as a strong performer academically from your school. If you kind of like follow any combination of those three tips, I think you'll be putting yourself in the best position to be a competitive academic applicant at these schools. A thousand percent, a thousand percent. I am so glad that you called out the fact that the colleges know what's offered at your school. So if your school doesn't offer AP, they don't offer IB, you will not be penalized for that. You can only take what you can take. So the colleges know what classes are offered at your school. And the second thing is they they want to see a natural progression. So like Tom said, it's combining your curiosity with your capability. You don't want to go right for IB physics if you haven't even taken the beginning physics, or even if you have taken the beginning physics, maybe if there's a class in between, you know, they, they want to see a natural progression. So you don't have to jump to the hardest level of all the classes because you want to do well too. But just showing that you are challenging yourself and going in a natural progression is what colleges are looking for. Absolutely. Well said. Kind of going off of that in terms of, you know, picking the courses and being involved in them is our second thing to do before junior year, which is making a connection, meaningful connections with your teachers. This one, I really do think is overlooked because people are like, well, I'm in class. Like, that's a connection. Like I, you know, look at the teacher when they're talking and like that counts. But when it comes to your senior year, this is why we say to do it before junior year, you're going to have to get letters of recommendation from your teachers. And those are the, the letters that will go to colleges. So you want them to be personal. Um, and that's way easier for a teacher to do when they have a personal connection with you. So this is something that you can implement or, or just start doing in small ways before your junior year. So sophomore or junior year, maybe that's staying after class to ask your teacher questions or seeking out extra credit opportunities, talking with your teacher either before class or after class, just to kind of get that personal connection going. Or maybe you're involved in the extracurricular that they run after school, something like that. But even if you can't do any of those you know, being attentive in class and showing the teacher that you care, just creating that personal connection so you can stand out a bit. That way, when it's time to ask for a letter of recommendation, they're not like, who are you? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's such a great tip. And I mean, just dovetailing off of that, the 
piece that I oftentimes find students, I guess, concerned about is how good is this recommendation going to be? Like, because fun fact, you know, as a ninth or 10th grader, you may not know this, but most high schools don't actually don't allow you to read the recommendations that are sent in on your behalf. You sign this thing basically saying like, oh, I allow the school to send in letters that I, I won't be reading um, to the colleges and universities that I'm applying to. And typically a lot of colleges will be asking for a teacher recommendation and a counselor recommendation. The counselor, mm -hmm. you really don't have control over who you ask because you are assigned to a counselor. Right. And ideally building a great relationship with them is something else I would encourage you to do because both your teachers and your counselors, I would say they're your advocates in this process. I did a session on letters of recommendations past year at a conference. And one of the participants was like, hey, in our school, we've actually started calling them letters of advocacy as opposed to letters of recommendation, because that's really what they are. You know, this is a person mm -hmm. who kind of has been able to see what you are like, especially in a classroom setting. And they are able to see, you know, what type of learner you are, how you contribute to that class dynamic. Are you the type of person who like has these kind of like mic drop moments where kind of like you're usually on the more quiet side, but like when you're called on, you pose some like really deep philosophical question that gets everyone talking and really starts to ramp up the conversation. Or maybe you're like the bridge builder who is like always bringing people together on team projects or kind of bring out the talents in other people in your class for whatever mm -hmm. task is at hand. So whatever kind of your contribution is to the learning environment, ideally the teachers that you're asking are ones who have been able to really see and recognize that. And all of you yeah. are who are tuning in are coming from different high schools. So it's going to be easier or more difficult for some of you to build those relationships with teachers, depending on where you're at. But I would say as much as possible, leveraging the tips that Elena mentioned about staying after class, looking for extra credit opportunities, just getting to know your teacher on a personal level as well. They're more likely to have anecdotes and experiences to talk about you in those recommendations, or I should say those advocacy letters, if you are making an effort to get to know them and to learn how you can be the you know best contributor you can be to their class. So yeah, definitely relationship building is super, super important. And quick other tip about recommendations is that oftentimes something that I'll hear from students is like, oh, well, I want to have a rec letter from a STEM teacher and a humanities teacher to show that I'm well-rounded. Um, mm -hmm. Honestly, as someone who has read applications for many years, the best letters are ones that do come from, I'd say, core academic classes. So the ones I mentioned in tip number one. Mm -hmm. But the other piece is that honestly, it's the whoever is going to have the best and, and most electrifying things to say about you is who's going to yeah. write the best letter. Not so much the subject they're teaching. It's not really seen on the admissions end as like a aptitude test. They're not seeing like how good you are at physics. And so I'm sending in a physics recommendation. It's again, more about your interpersonal qualities, your contribution to a class dynamic, how you relate to other students and people. And it's a chance for the college admissions officer to get a better, clearer picture of that. Um, so the teachers that you ask that have been able to see you kind of in your best light and your best self are the ones that are going to write that best letter as well. A thousand percent. That just gave me a flashback to when I asked my teachers to write the recommendations for me. <laughs> okay. So the third thing that you honestly may be thinking of starting in, in ninth or 10th grade and definitely will continue to think about in 11th grade is extracurriculars. They're everywhere. You may not even realize that something you're doing right now is an extracurricular. But once you go to apply to college in 12th grade, you will be asked about your extracurriculars. Um, and that's just any club, activity, uh, leadership role, anything that you're involved in pretty much that happens outside of school. So our tip for this is to find things that bring you joy. Be a part of things that make you happy to be there. There are gonna be some things 
where, you know, I trust that not every day that you go to soccer practice, you're going to be like, yay, I can't wait. But I think that if you can find at least, at least one of the extracurriculars that you're in is something that really brings you joy. That's something that will shine through when you talk about it in your college applications. You know, I hear students a lot of times worrying about the quality of their extracurriculars. You know, this person is doing the White House Science Fair this weekend. It's like, how can I compare when I do XYZ thing? But I think that when you're part of something that brings you joy, that dedication is what's gonna shine through when you talk about it in your applications. And people will be able to see that it's something you're really interested in. And I think it will highlight different parts of your personality. And yeah, it's it's kind of the theme of what we're talking about too, is it's not about what other students are doing. You just want to have the most authentic representation of yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Oftentimes I have like students who will come to me and ask me like, what summer programs do I need to take to be competitive for elite colleges? Like, what do I need to do? What's, what's the formula? And I'm like, there really isn't like, to be honest. Yeah. And like, I don't like, I always tell students like, I don't work at a college anymore. Like I'm not on commission. I'm not withholding <laughs> advice to you. Like if there was a, so like, yes, this is the activity that will get you in. I would tell you, right? Um, because right. I want you to have the most opportunities as possible, but it truly isn't the reality from my experience. I've never had like a list of preferred extracurriculars or clubs or whatnot, because every high school offers different ones. But then again, there's also a lot of overlap between schools and what's offered, right? Like most US high schools have some equivalent of like a drama, you know, club and, and theater offerings, music, a lot have athletics, a lot will have, you know, student government, right? newspaper, things like that, yearbook. So kind of starting to dip your toes into finding things like that you naturally enjoy spending your time doing and leaning into activities that allow you to cultivate those skills so that eventually potentially you can be a leader in some of those clubs or create larger impact in your community. I'd say the two eyes to keep in mind with activities and the things that college admissions officers look for in students are initiative and impact. So mm. when it comes to initiative, something that I always tell students is that and again, you don't need to be doing this for every single activity under the sun, because a lot of times like you inherit an activity slash like precedent, you know, from your high school, like there's a team that you join that's already pre-existing. You're not starting it up. You're not getting, you know, putting together the business plan. Right. But in your high school experience, if there are things that you're doing kind of on your own that are leaning into your curiosities, kind of showing that you want to kind of explore something beyond kind of what's available in the walls of your own high school, that does show a lot of initiative, which is a quality that colleges really do value. And then from the impact side, you can make impacts in lots of different ways. You can make impacts in your school community by putting together great volunteering opportunities, putting together, raising funding through a bake sale. Like you can change the culture on your sports team. If you're, you know, as a ninth grader, you know, this, for example, that, you know, I had a student one time who wrote an essay and application about how the team early on when she started high school on game days, they had to wear kind of like professional like business attire. And it was expected that they kind of wear more traditionally like feminine clothing. So dresses, kind of things like that, skirts. And when she became a captain of the team, she was like, hey, I actually did away with this policy because I had teammates who came to me. And over the years, I noticed that some of my teammates, that was not the, the form of dress or a form of self-expression that aligned most with who they were as people. Um, mm -hmm. so kind of did away and, and we broadened kind of what it meant to show up to those games with your, you know, professional or kind of like your fancy attire. Um, so yeah. legacy and kind of like making an impact, it doesn't just have to be like, I raised X number of dollars or I raised this or that. 
It's about kind of noticing and being observant about things around you, whether that's in your school, your local community, sometimes even a larger scale outside of that, and trying to identify things that you're like, hey, I see an opportunity for this to be better or to be improved or to include more people or to have some kind of impact in some way. So I'd say focusing on your activities with kind of those two lenses in mind and just a lot of times organically, those opportunities are going to come up if you just kind of move through the process and kind of move through involvement with different things. But the last yeah. thing I want to mention about activities as well, that's super important, especially for those of you who are just starting out in high school, is that it's okay to step away from things that are not filling your cup. If mm. you are involved in a club or activity or organization that you're like, hey, I tried this out because I was curious about it, but honestly, like, it's not really adding a lot of value to my life. It's not something I don't, I don't feel like I'm really good at it, or I just don't really like it that much to keep it really simple. You right. don't need to stay engaged with every single club and activity that you start with as a ninth grader. It's really typical. In fact, I'd say most students end up kind of whittling down their list or kind of as time goes on, they gain more clarity about where they want to be spending their time outside of class. And yeah. that's totally normal, totally natural. And a lot of times people talk about like, oh, well, I want colleges to see that I've been consistently engaged in every single thing that I've done. Um, sure, ideally, there's areas where, you know, you started early on and you, you know, worked your way towards a leadership role to make that impact. But there's also going to be a lot of things that kind of just letting yourself step away from them and being like, hey, this was a nice chapter in my life. I learned new things about myself. I learned things I liked. I learned things I didn't like. And that's, that is life. And that's a great kind of like, you know, primer for life experiences that you're about to embark on after high school too, in terms of being really choosy with how you spend your time, because it is a really precious resource. So just giving you the permission to step away from things is something that I always like to put out there because realistically, most high school students mathematically don't have time for, I'd say more than three, like main activities or like key activities, right? right. Um, it's really unusual for students to be as equally invested in, you know, 10 activities in high school, because then you're just going to be stretching yourself way too thin to be able to make that initiative or make that impact that I mentioned before. Um, so yeah, that's just one, one thing I wanted to mention. Yes, that is so true. Spreading yourself too thin is going to rob yourself of the possibility to do something like that, have initiative and, and make an impact. And colleges don't want to hear you know, you could be involved in organizations, like you said, that you you hate, you really don't enjoy it. Nothing about it makes you happy to be spending time doing it. But why would a college want to hear about that? They want to hear about how much you hated doing it. Like you want to be part of things that you enjoy. And it is about that quality over the quantity of extracurriculars you're involved in. For sure. Yeah. Fill that <sighs> cup. Like I said. Fill that cup. Yeah. Fill that cup. I I should be filling my cup. My my coffee is empty. It's um mine too. Now it's just like the pitiful like ice water. Unpopular opinion. I think that's one of the best parts. They should make a candle of that. <gasps> You're so right. I always chew on the ice. Mm. Which is so bad. <laughs> so speaking of candles, let's go to tip number four. <laughs> yes, tip number four. So honestly, I mean uh, actually of variety. If you go into Yankee Candle, if you're from New England. There's going to be a balsam fir candle. There's going to be cinnamon sugar cookie. There's going to be Maui breeze. So many options out there, but hey, they're all candles. They're different dimensions or sizes. There's going to be different smells and memories and evocative moments that happen to different individuals based on lots of different factors and preferences. 
That's so true. That's so true. Life really is a Yankee candle metaphor in a way. Indeed. (laughs) And so is the college landscape. So is the college landscape. Speaking of time being a precious resource, having to make sure that you're budgeting your time towards things that you enjoy. uh, One of the things, this is our tip number four, that you're going to have to do once you start really ramping up in your college search and, and application is staying organized with the various different deadlines, college factors, preferences, financial aid policies, blah, 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 all the things that are going to be coming your way. So our tip number four is to stay organized and develop a way to stay organized now during your ninth and 10th grade in a way that works for you so that when you get all of these different dates and deadlines and all these things, you can prioritize them and organize them in a way that helps you. Absolutely. Yeah. So variety truly is the spice of life when it comes to the college process in the United States. And it's it's one of the most exciting parts about it, but it's also one of the most daunting. And I would say, you know, as someone who works in a college counseling capacity, I wish there was a little more uniformity about some of the ways that colleges did things, right? All these colleges out there have different curriculums and features and locations and all these things. And that's great for you as an applicant, because that means you can make some real intentional choices about a place where you really belong and where you really fit and where you could really thrive. And that's a wonderful chance because it's actually very unique to this, to the U.S. is having so many different types of post high school, post secondary is what they call it options out there. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of countries internationally, the university system is a lot more uniform which is great in some ways, but not as great in terms of kind of like the freedom and flexibility and opportunity that you can customize the experience to meet your needs. So that's all well yeah. and good and that's great. But the things that are really stressful and anxiety inducing, if you were to, if you were to connect kind of some of the pain points among students and families about applying to college, it's all the different deadlines. It's all the different requirements. It's which schools are test optional, which ones are not. At this point, we know that it's at least 85% and counting yep. time goes on. So that's encouraging. But overall, you know, which schools offer merit-based scholarships? Do you have to apply special extra to do that? There's so many particularities that come up in the college search process for individual students and families. And even your needs and the things that kind of you need to prioritize with your application process are going to be different than even your friends or neighbors or, or people who are close to you who maybe they are not looking for schools in a certain region, or maybe they're not looking for a particular program. So that's what makes it really difficult is to kind of keep yourself organized and to keep a sense of what are the top priorities for you when it comes to the colleges on your list and things that you need to keep in mind, such as your own financial aid process and affordability, right? The last thing you want to do is be caught off guard as a senior and have a college list that like has all these schools that have great elements you're excited about, but maybe they don't have the financial aid or scholarship opportunities that are relevant to your family's situation. And cost is, you know, statistically, if you pull any, you know, students and families in the US, cost is the main concern when it comes to this next step after high school. So, you know, again, everyone's an individual, everyone has, you know, varied preferences and things that they're looking for. But the commonality that I'm hoping for all of you is to kind of find some form of organization that works for you and your own style. So whether that's, I'm a huge fan of like, keeping a spreadsheet, a trusty Google sheet that has the names of the schools you're applying to and different columns for like, does the school meet full financial need for students? You know, does this school guarantee housing all four years? Cause that's really important to me. Uh, if I'm going farther away, finding kind of the things about 
colleges that you really know you need and, and want, but also need and keeping mm-hmm. track of which schools, you know, a allow for that. And when you have to do certain action items by, so you're not caught off guard by a deadline that you miss or a special, you know, priority scholarship deadline that you have to put in or whatnot. Those are all things that do come up and do catch students and families off guard every year. So the more that you can stay organized and kind of, um, start to develop those habits just in your life earlier on. Like I never used, for example, a planner until like I went to college and I look back yeah. and I'm like, how did I do all this stuff? <laughs> <With> <laughs> no like calendar or anything. Right. So yeah, I'd say, yeah, the sooner you're able to kind of implement those strategies into your own life, the, the more fruitful it will be not just for the college search, but also just life in general. Right. And like, everyone is going to have different organizational methods. So like, I am a big pen and paper girly. I love, I love a planner. I love writing things down, you know, by hand, but you might, like you said, prefer a spreadsheet and that's how you get organized. So I feel like ninth and 10th grade, that's the kind of thing that you can start to figure out what's your way of staying organized. Um, And then also what is at a high level, like the things that you are going to need to look out for when it comes time for junior year, uh, whether that's, I need to make sure that when I'm looking at colleges, I look at financial aid opportunities, or I want to make sure that they have um, sports, you know, those kinds of things. And then junior year is when you can get specific and start filling in that spreadsheet of like, this is the priority scholarship date for these schools. This is when XYZ thing is due for other schools. So I definitely think that that's a really good tip. And once you, you know, start, especially if you're a junior listening to this, once you start getting an idea of what those things are, you can actually organize your college lists in score. So once you start searching for colleges and finding ones that you like, you can follow them on score and that'll add them to your following column. So you can start to keep track of those. And then eventually senior year, you'll start to be able to move them over to your applying and applied column. But it's a nice way to have that organized view of the colleges that you're looking at. Great tip. Shout out to score as someone who used to use it on the high school side. I, I cannot say enough good things about it. So <laughs> I may be biased, but I agree too. <laughs> so our fifth and final tip, which I think goes really well with this fourth one is dividing up tasks into things that can be done now versus things that are better to do when I'm Uh, quote unquote, older and wiser. So with this one, we mean like, there are some things that you can do now and that are actually really good to do now in ninth and 10th grade and and even the beginning of 11th grade. And that could be things like identifying, like we said, things on a broad scale that you're looking for in colleges. That could also be passively looking at colleges on Instagram or TikTok or any social media to try to get an idea of colleges vibes and start to work that into your daily routine of gathering information about colleges. Then there are going to be some things that you maybe can't do now. And it's good to kind of get a grasp on those, like things that are better to do when you're in your senior year or quote unquote older and wiser, like actually applying. Obviously you can't do that until senior year, but also narrowing down the college list to the exact schools you're going to apply to right now is more so for that exploration. So you don't need to have it all figured out now. And I think that's just 
a tip that we'd love you to keep in the back of your mind. It's like this time is for that exploration, ninth and 10th grade, and you don't have to have everything figured out now. Yeah, absolutely. And and sometimes I see, you know, younger students and families, and this, this is, I guess, a particular note for the parents who may be tuning in who have younger kids. There is such a thing as I'd say overly preparing as a as mm. early on for college. And oftentimes I see, you know, the strategy that some people will take is like, okay, well, I have a friend or neighbor who got into insert school that I've held up on a pedestal for all my life. And so, you know, this is the way that she got in. So I'm going to start doing those things now, or, you know, kind of like following the same quote unquote, like strategy to be a competitive applicant. And the reality is you don't know what the college is going to need or be looking for in their applicant pool four years from now. Things can change very dramatically in four years. We saw that very recently this past year with it was a really big Supreme Court decision, you know, around race conscious admission that impacted the way that colleges and universities are reading applications. And mm-hmm. a lot of colleges changed essay prompts and changed their reading process. And of course, we saw, you know, two, three years ago with the pandemic, with the test optional movement, right? And that really rapidly accelerated how many schools are going test optional. So I guess all that to say kind of figuring out what clubs and organizations to take you make to make you competitive for one school or what major to select to be competitive from another. Those are all things that do factor into college admission evaluation and process. But there is a tool, it's a term that I call institutional priorities. And basically mm-hmm. it means that there are things that the college's leaderships are telling the admissions office to keep an eye out for in the applicant pool that year. And they need more of, you know, but it's very circumstantial, you know, so it's hard to really plan out things like that and to try and like craft yourself to be what you think a certain college that you aspire to or that you really admire is looking for, because it's very possible that their needs and preferences are going to change by the time you are actually applying. So it's much more productive and just healthier to be doing the things that you enjoy that you care yeah. about, that you're curious about, you're naturally kind of engaging and leaning in more so. And that's going to be, a lot, that's going to allow you to have so much more of a memorable and positive high school experience that you don't look back on and just feel like you are just doing things to cross them off a list and make someone else happy or make someone else like you. Because truly you don't know if those efforts are even yielding towards the results that you want. And oftentimes it just makes for a really hard four years of life when you're purely operating in the mindset of trying to please someone else other than yourself. Right. Oof. Yeah. That's so true. (laughs) Yeah. Like, ow, (laughs) but it's so true. Like, I think we can send this recording to Olivia Rodrigo and have her write a song about this, this theme, you know, cause. Oh, oh yeah. It's yet to be penned. And I just, I just only hope we make the credits. I just I really hope that we're co-songwriters. I mean, ideally co like vocalists as well. Like this is like, you know, the interlude and the backing track or whatever, you know, yeah. But a girl can dream. A girl can dream. <laughs> but no, it's it's very true. There are gonna be those things that can wait and that the things that you can do now are the fun parts of high school. And like well, all parts of high school are fun, but like the exploration parts and starting to figure out who it is that you are and then also what you're looking for. And the things that you can do now, like looking on college's social medias, like even going on college tours, those are all things that can help you get perspective on college language and the things that colleges tend to share about. So that once you get to later in junior year or senior year, you're not like, wait, what's study abroad? Do all colleges have study abroad? Like you'll know the things that are 
unique about certain colleges and then the things that are kind of offered commonly among colleges. And I just feel like the sooner that you can learn those things, the better. Yeah. So this is a great time to do that. Absolutely. Need blind, demonstrated interest. What? Right. Yeah. You can learn what all those means. So you have that perspective when you get to junior and senior year. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'd say, hey, you know, in terms of like, what should you be doing now? Any of the things we mentioned in tips one through four, those are, those are all things that I'd say are kind of like, you know, if you're looking for like, what's, what's my job right now? Like it's, it's, it's those things. Yeah. It's those things. Yep. <laughs> rewind. Re rewind. <laughs> and but that's it. You don't that's really rewind anymore. You just like, I don't know what the scroll would be now. Scroll, scroll back. Yeah. Scroll back and, and take a listen. Cause that's, that's what you could be doing now. So those are your five essential things to do before junior year. And Tom couldn't have done it without you. Thank you for this great advice. Oh, thank you for, for bringing me on. And thank you for making it so fun to spread this advice out to the masses. So excited to have you. And if you're looking for additional resources, check out our SCORE blog or our Inside College Admissions podcast series. And Tom with College Essay Guys team has so many resources with College Essay Guy. Your website is truly invaluable. So when you're getting prepared for junior year and, and even as you're now in ninth and 10th grade, Definitely take a look at their resources because they're super helpful. Oh, thank you. I, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> well, thank you, Tom. Thank you. See ya. Thanks, everyone. Bye.